Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, reading there in the 22nd chapter, beginning at the 35th verse as follows. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house. You also, Christian friends, who are worshiping with us by means of the radio, and especially you, the 69 high school graduates of our church and Sunday school. Today, as you know, is your church's baccalaureate for you. And so you have come this morning to God's house to hear a message from the Word of God on this occasion, the completion of your high school academic course. Soon you will be literally scattered to the four winds, will you not? Some of you will seek employment. Others of you will get married. Some of you will enter the armed forces of our country. Some of you will enter institutions of higher learning. As a group, young friends, you know that this is the last time that you will be together. And what shall I, as your minister, say to you this morning? I think of the words of Jesus when he was in the temple for the last time. It was Tuesday of Holy Week, the Tuesday before his crucifixion on Good Friday. There were large multitudes around him. Most of them were hostile. But in that group there were a number, and especially there was one Pharisee who turned to Jesus and he said to him, testing him, and when he asked the question, it seemed to be asked in all sincerity on the basis of Christ's answer, so we can assume that this man in honesty wanted to know the answer to this question. And he turned to Jesus and he said, Master, what is the great commandment in the law? In other words, he wanted to know, Master, of all the laws of God, which one is the greatest? Which one is prime? Which one comes first? And immediately our Lord answered him, and he said to that man, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Jesus says, This is the first and great commandment. And then Jesus kept on, and he said, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus told that man the great commandment, the one that stands head and shoulders above all of God's commandments, is this one, love thy God and also love thy neighbor. And in thinking of a message to bring you on this, your baccalaureate, I could think of nothing better than these words of Jesus, that Jesus would say to you from the word of God this morning, will you do this and let this be the motto of your life, love thy God and love thy neighbor because this Jesus tells you is the first and the great commandment. It is the greatest of all God's commandments. It is the supreme commandment. It stands head and shoulders above all others. 
And you may say to me this morning, young friends, I am to be filled with love and devotion and sincerity, and I am to be filled with reverence and respect for God and also with reverence and respect and concern for my brother, and that I am to be filled with that kind of love because this is the greatest of all of God's commandments. You may say to me this morning, I rather doubt that that is the greatest of all of God's commandments, the supreme commandment of God. And you may say, why, look, if I am to love God and I am to have a reverence and respect for God and I am to have that same reverence and respect for my neighbor and that I am to be concerned about him, doesn't that mean that I'm going to spend my life for the other person? How about myself? Will I not come up on the short end in this bargain? Will it not end up that I'll be the low man on the totem pole, that I'll miss something in life if I would dedicate my life, whatever God puts me, in loving God, in having devotion to Him and reverence and respect for Him and also for my neighbor, my fellow man, will I not lose out? Won't I miss something? And then you may say to me, and after all, does my neighbor deserve that I love him? that I have reverence and respect for him, that I am concerned about him, that I have consideration for him. I would like to ask you, as Jesus beckons you today, to love God and to love your neighbor, to have you realize that when Jesus says, will you love God and love your neighbor, will you be so filled with love that you will realize that this is the greatest of all commandments, it's first and it's foremost, and also know this, that if you do, it is not going to be a life where you're going to be wanting something. It is not going to be a life where you say, I've got the short end. But I can assure you on the basis of the Word of God, yours will be a life that will be an enthusiastic life. It will be a life worth living. It will be full and complete. And I promise you that at the end of that life, if you will love God and love your neighbor, you will look back over that life and you will say, I do not regret having given my life in love to my God and in love to my neighbor. You may say, how can you be so sure of that? That to love God and to love my neighbor, to be filled with reverence and respect for God and reverence and respect for my neighbor, that that is going to bring me a full life, a complete life, a life that I will never regret. It will, young friends. This is the greatest of all commandments that God has given. It does stand supreme, and it means a consecrated, full, enthusiastic life for you, because in the first place, may I remind you of this fact, that if this law of love will be the rule of your life, then you will never deliberately and maliciously disobey God or harm your neighbor. Some find difficulty in wondering why Jesus called this law of love the greatest of all the commandments that God has ever given. But it's rather simple. If you can love God and have reverence and respect for God, and you have that same reverence and respect and concern for your neighbor, then you will never deliberately, against better knowledge, ever offend God or ever harm your neighbor. And therefore, when you will not do these things, that means that you will be fulfilling all of the other laws of God because all of them are summarized in the law of love. Love thy God and love thy neighbor. If you have respect for God and reverence for him, 
then in your life you will say, I never want to hurt God. I never want to disobey him in any way whatsoever. I never want to deliberately do something that is wrong. I have too much love and too much respect for him. And then you will turn to your neighbor and you will say, I will love my neighbor. I will have reverence and respect and concern for him. I will never deliberately harm him. I will not bring hatred upon him. I will not lie about him. I will not turn and begrudge him the things that he has in life. I will not disobey him. I will not be filled with jealousy and hatred toward him. I will treat him in love and respect. And when you will say to yourself, therefore I will never deliberately harm him, then there will be this fullness of life for you, young friends. It will be this, that you will never be a castaway from God and not realize it, and you will never be a stumbling block for your neighbor. You may say, what do you mean by that? I mean this, that it is easy to slip away from your Lord Jesus Christ. It is easy to become a castaway. And you know, Paul said in his life, oh, that this would never happen, that he preaching to others might be a castaway. But if you forget the law of love, if you forget reverence and respect for God, and you do deliberately go against God and grieve him, and you forget love and reverence for your neighbor, and you harm him, you will be hardening your heart and imperceptibly, scarcely realizing that you will be wandering away from your Christ and you will end up with your heart hardened and a lost soul and scarcely realize it. Do you remember King Saul when it was said of him and the Spirit of God had departed from him and he didn't even know it? And again, you will not be a stumbling block for your neighbor. What do I mean by that? Unless there is love in your life for your neighbor, unless there is a reverence and respect and concern that you will never deliberately hurt him, either bodily or otherwise, then you will know this, that at the end of life's way there will be no neighbor with whom you have come into contact who has lost his soul because you fail to love him. What a horrible tragedy to have some neighbor, some fellow man, say that the reason why he has rejected Jesus Christ is because you as a Christian fail to love him and to have proper respect and concern for him and that you became a fatal death trap that he lost his soul because you failed to heed and to keep the greatest of all laws that God has ever given. Love thy God and love thy neighbor. My prayer for you this morning is this, that you will in your life, wherever God may place you, in whatever circumstances you may find yourselves, that this will be it, that you will say, I will love God and my neighbor, because this is the supreme law of God. It stands head and shoulders above all other laws, and that you will do both. And then I know this, you will not try to delude yourselves into thinking that you can love God and not love your neighbor. There are a lot of people today parading as Christians who are trying to make themselves believe and others believe that they can love God, that they can be filled with reverence and respect for God and to do his will, and at the same time not to love their neighbor. I wonder if they realize who their neighbor is. Do you know, young friends, just who your neighbor is? You know, another expert in the law asked Jesus that question one day, too. And it was a superb answer. He said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then remember Jesus, what a teacher he was. He began to unfold that beautiful parable. He said, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. 
You know, whenever you leave Jerusalem, even though Jericho is north, you always go down when you leave the holy city, whether you go north, south, east, or west. And he said, this man went down. He was heading for Jericho. I walked that Jericho road one day, and I thought again of how fitting this parable. And remember that man fell among thieves, Jesus says, and they stripped him of his raiment, and they left him lie there half dead. And then Jesus said, a priest came along, one from the temple in Jerusalem, and he looked down at him, and there was no love. He passed him by on the other side. And then Jesus says, there came a Levite from the Levitical tribe, and they had charge of the temple. And he looked down, and there was no love, and he passed by on the other side. And then a Samaritan came. And don't ever forget that Samaritan was a half-breed. He was half-Jew, and he was half-Gentile, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. And conversely, the Samaritans hated the Jews. But here was a hated man. He went by and he saw that Jew, that Jew lying there on the road. He was the one that needed help. And the Samaritan, Jesus said, he got off of his donkey, he got down, and he bound up the wounds of this man that was half dead, pouring in oil and wine, put him on his donkey, went into the inn that was there, and I stood in the inn that still stands there called the Good Samaritan Inn. He went in and he took that sick man and he put him up for the night and the next morning he gave the hospital keeper some money and he said, take care of this man and when I come back, if he owes you anything, I will pay it. And then you know Jesus turned and he said, which one of these three, of that priest again, or of the Levite or of the Samaritan, was neighbor to him that fell among thieves? You know, Jesus answered two questions, didn't he, in that parable? He answered the question of who is my neighbor and how to be a neighbor. And of course the man, the lawyer that had asked the question said, well, no doubt he that showed mercy unto him that fell among thieves. And Jesus says, go thou and do thou likewise. You are a neighbor when you show mercy. But who is your neighbor? Anybody that is in need of your help, whether he happens to be a friend or whether he happens to be a foe. Whether his color happens to be white like yours and mine or whether it does not happen to be white like yours and mine. May I encourage you to know this, that when Jesus says, love God and equal to it is love again your brother, love again your neighbor, that means you are to love your neighbor whether he happens to like you or whether he does not, and you can say he doesn't deserve it. That's right. There are many neighbors in your life and mine who do not deserve love. I challenge you in the scriptures to show me where God says, love your neighbor because he deserves it. It isn't there. God doesn't say to you and to me to love our neighbor, to be filled with concern and reverence for him, that he deserves it. No. God says, I want you to love him because I want you to love him. It is mercy. Let's not again be deluded into our lives that we can withhold love from somebody who doesn't deserve it. That does not enter the picture. And I hope and pray that you will do both, that you'll not lose your soul over trying to do something that is an utter impossibility, to love God and at the same time not to love your neighbor. Oh, this is your baccalaureate, and you may say, what can the church tell me that I can come to grips with and put my teeth into it, that I might remember something of my high school graduation I would like the Lord's words, again, to be painted and emblazoned on your hearts and souls. Love thy God and love thy neighbor. Be filled with love and concern and reverence and respect for your God and be filled with that same kind of devotion and love and respect for your neighbor, anybody who is in need of your help. And Jesus says, because that's the greatest of all commandments, it stands supreme, it's greater than any other law that God has given. This is the law of love. And it is the greatest, and it means a full and complete life because in the second place, know this, 
that whenever you in your life, my young friends, will go to fulfill the law of love, you will find that you are doing it out of gratitude for the love of Jesus Christ that he has shown you. There were our catechism days, were there not, four years ago. Rather striking, you were the largest class that we've ever had. There were 69 in the catechism class of four years ago, and there are 69 in this graduating class today. Some of you have moved away, others have come in. I know not all of you could be present today, but again, the confirmation class of four years, 69 and 69 today, and you recall that in our confirmation days, we talked quite a bit about the love of Christ, did we not? And remember, we used the word grace as regards Jesus. It was this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us, didn't he? It was not a deserved love that Christ had, that when he came out of the ivory palaces into this world of sin, it wasn't that you and I deserved it. When he was born of the virgin and became a human being without sin, it was not that you and I deserved it. And when he went to the cross, and when he suffered and died and taking the very guilt and punishment of the world on himself, it was not that we deserved it, wasn't it? Was it? We said this, this is the story of grace. This is the story of undeserved love. This is something that none of us deserves. But it was the great magnificent story of love. And by that death on the cross, he bore our guilt and our punishment, did he not? Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. And in that death, Jesus Christ merited a righteousness that brings forgiveness, life, and salvation for us. And therefore, when the law of love is the law of your life, and you do it because you say, this is the greatest of all God's laws, of all the laws of God in the entire scriptures, this one stands supreme. And it's head and shoulders above all else. You will be doing it as your thank you to Jesus Christ and his love that he shed abundantly on the cross that in him... There is forgiveness and deliverance from hell and eternal life, all from grace, a love that no man deserves. And you may say, when again you put this law of love in your life, wherever God may place you, a reverence for God, a respect for him, that you never want to disobey him maliciously, and a reverence for your fellow man that you say, I never want to harm him. And when that comes in gratitude, then you can look at your life and you can say, there is an evidence that I've got a living faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, it's a wonderful thing, young friends, to have a living, a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about that in catechism, didn't we? Then I invited you when you were a senior to come into the adult class and to hear an explanation of the Christian faith from an adult point of view. And I thank those of you who took time and were able to do that very thing. You know, we talked about faith in Christ and we said that you and I cannot even see our own faith but that Jesus says, by our fruits we can tell. And so we look into our life to see whether that faith in Christ that we claim we have, whether it's a living, saving faith. If you can look in your life, young friends, and see that that faith in Christ is demonstrating itself and giving evidence in your love and respect for God and your love and respect for your neighbor, then you can say, mine is a living, saving faith. And what that means today. You've got some worried folks sitting around you this morning. I think you boys know that. Vietnam sounds so far away, doesn't it? Some would have a job if they took a map to find it. But there are some parents here and listening that can open a book and can point right to it. And they can point to a certain place and they can say, my boy is there. I would want you to know, again, today is Memorial Day. Today we are remembering our soldier day. We are thanking God for the American boys and girls 
who again populate cemeteries throughout the world. And today we think of Vietnam. There have been any mothers who have said to me, my boy is there. Just last week, going out of one of the hospital rooms, a woman on a sickbed said, our boy is there in the thick of it. We've got to pray. I don't know what God has in store for you, young men. I don't know what God has in store for this nation that you love and that I love. But let me tell you this. If Vietnam happens to be a place where your life will end, I can assure you that seated here in this church, fathers and mothers, will thank God that you went out of this church and that you went with a living faith in Jesus Christ and that you were saved, washed in his blood. That's the biggest thing that they would want. This is Memorial Day. You're living in crucial times. God alone knows what is in store for this nation that you and I love. This is the Memorial Day when we remember our soldier dead. My prayer for you today is that again you will go out and wherever you are placed in life, that you will say the great commandment of God for me is that I love God and that I have reverence and respect for him, consideration and concern for him, and also for my fellow man. And then let me assure you, you won't be afraid to grow in it. You know, some are afraid to grow in love. Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. In other words, I want an all-out love. Go on, thou don't be afraid. And then he says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, some Christians are scared to death to love their neighbor as themselves. And some Christians say to me, I, I don't love myself, so uh, how am I to love my neighbor? But as a Christian, you ought to love yourself. Oh, there was a ditty that used to go, you know, I love me, I love me, I'm wild about myself. And I think some of the old heads like myself remember that, and they're scared to death to say they love themselves. You and I as a Christian ought to love ourselves in Christ, to love ourselves that we do not want ourselves to be lost, to love ourselves that we take care of our bodies, to love ourselves that we want to live as a Christian, and to love ourselves that we want to be treated as Christians. Let's take some other words of Jesus, and maybe that will help. Jesus says, Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. And Jesus said this way in the golden rule, In all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. In other words, how am I to love my neighbor? To what extent? How am I to grow? I am to put myself in his place, and the way I would like to be treated if I were sitting where he is sitting, that's the way I want to treat him. That brings it right down to earth. And let me give you a real homely illustration. Many of you have already turned your caps and gowns in, have you not? You've had your baccalaureate in the county schools and even in the Marion schools, but some of you are not yet graduated. You turned your caps and gowns in. It wasn't hard to put ourselves in your place and to say, we know if I were sitting there, I'd like a cap and gown today. And I know you did. So we rented them for you. Just a simple illustration of the law of love. Anybody else seated there would want it. So the church said, we want you to have it. You've already paid for one. We will rent one for you. And so if you call the office, you got a cap and gown for today. When you put yourself in the other person's place, don't be afraid that you're going to come up on the short end. Listen, why not put Jesus to the test when Jesus says, and all the other things I'll add to you. My prayer is this, that you'll go out and you'll love God with all your heart and soul and mind, and you'll go out and you'll be concerned about your neighbor with love and kindness and consideration, and then let God take care of you. 
Oh, in my early ministry, I saw the day when I had one thin dime between me and starvation. But I never starved. God never failed, and he won't fail you. Why don't you let him again put him to the test and let him see in whatever vocation and walking life you go, if again you want a full and complete life, Jesus says, I'll take care of you. Why don't you let him do it and go all out and love God and love your fellow man? It will mean a full life because it's going to mean also this in the third place, that if you're going to dedicate your life to the law of love, you're going to be filled with love to God, reverence and respect for him, and reverence and respect and concern and consideration for your neighbor, for your fellow man, it's going to be a complete life because then Jesus is always going to be your glorious example. He did some wonderful things. When I stood in Jerusalem and stood at the cross, I realized that was the great thing that he had done. And yet again, did you ever realize this, that because Jesus of Nazareth came into the world, we've got hospitals? The world never heard of hospitals before. The world never heard of mercy to a sick person. Retired children, we have over five and a half million retarded children. Do you know what they did before the days of Jesus? Whenever a child was retarded, or whenever there was something wrong physically, he was put outside and exposed, and the wolves eating us. There was no mercy. Jesus came into the world with love. And hospitals came. There came a concern for one fellow man. Mercy became a word that people understood. Children were protected. Women, what a horrible thing before the Christian era to be a woman. Animals were treated better. Women rose to their status because Jesus came into the world. Democracy. Power in the hands of people. Christian liberty came through Jesus Christ. Education came through Jesus Christ. When I stood in Jerusalem, I thought, this stranger of Galilee that came into this world 2,000 years ago, this world in which you and I live, when he is your example and you are going to love God and love your fellow man, then I promise you this fullness in life, that at the end of life's way you will say, this world is a little better because I live. You know of any greater joy than to have shown love and mercy and kindness to your fellow man. Won't it be a marvelous day to be great in the sight of Jesus when he comes again? Oh, to be great, you can be just so small. You see, big things are done by little people in this world. Think of Mary, who lived up in Nazareth in Galilee, a little peasant girl. And an angel came to her one day and asked her if she would be the mother of the Christ. She knew what that meant. Oh, she knew that again she would conceive of the Holy Ghost, but she knew what they would say in Nazareth. She knew that they would keep on saying that she had been an impure woman. But, oh, all generations still called her blessed. And there was another Mary up in Bethany. Remember one Saturday night she had bought some costly perfume. And she anointed the head of Jesus and his feet. And Jesus said, the fragrance of that will go out to the world. And for nearly 2,000 years we hear about Mary of Bethany, just an ordinary little woman who anointed the body of Jesus. And you can still smell the precious perfume of a gift of love. There will be some tears that you can dry. There will be some things that you can do. And when Jesus comes again and you stand at his right hand, he will say to you when you will be so surprised because you have lived the law of love, 
He will say, don't you remember I was hungry and you gave me a piece of bread and butter? Don't you remember the day I was thirsty and you gave me a glass of cold water? Don't you remember the day that I was naked and you gave me some clean used clothing? Don't you remember when I was a stranger and I didn't have a place to stay and you gave me a bed? Don't you remember, my friend, when I was sick and you weren't afraid to come and hold my hand and you comforted me? Don't you remember when I was in prison and you weren't afraid and you came and you spoke words of cheer to me? And oh God, you're going to look up at him and the fact that you're on his right you're going to see him and you will rejoice and you will thank him that it was a life of no regret. It was full. It was complete. It was enthusiastic because, young friends, if you will go out and you will love God and you will love your neighbor, on the last day you can stand up and you can say, mine eyes have seen the glory I see the glory of the Son of God who loved himself and gave himself for me. My prayer is this, that yours will be a full life, an enthusiastic life, tremendous, wonderful, and it will be. If you will go out of this church this morning and you will say, wherever God puts me, this shall be the rule of my life. I'm going to be filled with love and respect for God and I am going to be filled with love and respect for my neighbor. God bless you. We all love you. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.